You're listening to Nostalgia Be Damned. Teach. Teach. All right, look, here's the deal. I've got a hangover. Who knows what that means? Doesn't that mean you're drunk? No, it means I was drunk yesterday. Hello, everybody. My name is Zach. I'm Brandon. And you're listening to Nostalgia Be Damn, the show where we take some of your favorite movies that you watched growing up, the ones you are nostalgic about. We watch them objectively. We let you know, are these movies any good or are you blinded by nostalgia? This week, we watched 2003's musical comedy, School of Rock. Whew, a breath of fresh air on this podcast. We needed it, man. And we don't need no education. See you, dude. That's the end of the show. Forever. <laughs> it's the end of the podcast. Oh, no, we, I think oh, we needed this one. We needed one that was fairly well received by critics, audiences. We needed just a nice little slate cleaner after uh, yeah, the run we've a, been on. A palate cleanser, if you will. And uh, Absolutely. But this was one of those rare movies that like, I, I feel everybody was down for. You know what I mean? Like, I saw this movie in school so many times. Really? So this was like a yeah. Brandon National Treasure type scenario? This was like a... I still can't believe you watched that movie in school. It blows my mind to this day. But yes, this was like, I must have seen it at least three times in school. I think I saw it once in, because I did a lot of music in high school, middle school, whenever, fucking you know, nerd, I would have dude. seen this. Yeah, fucking huge nerd. <laughs> Easy thing for a band teacher or a music teacher, you know, end of the school year. We don't have anything to do. Let's throw on School of Rock. And I think I also saw it one time. I had a really long trip to like a different state for a school thing and we watched it on that too never saw this movie in theaters always watched it on dvd never really struck me as something that i wanted to go and see at the time but definitely not a movie that i hated when i watched it it's it's i mean it's an enjoyable journey yeah i think most people would describe this as perfectly enjoyable very entertaining I did see this in theaters. This was a movie that I, I don't think anyone was really talking about upon release and then became a pretty big box office success, according, I mean, relative to its budget anyway, and was one of the bigger comedies that year. And I also watched it maybe once or twice in school. I do remember watching this on a bus trip as well as Juno. I was in high school and they showed us Juno what? on a bus trip, which was like, what are you trying to promote here? Why would you, do, yeah, <laughs> why would you do that? What is teenage abstinence? Yeah, like... very strange choice. But yeah, I think this is a movie that, we could have watched in, you know, middle school, high school, because it's, you know, it's genial enough, but it's also got a little bit of edge. It's a family comedy, but could kind of be enjoyed by folks of all ages, not just necessarily the tween crowd, which I think it wasn't even necessarily marketed to. I think this was sort of an all ages appeal. Yeah, absolutely. Now, is this something that you revisited over the years? Has it been a while since you've seen it last? It has been a while since I've seen it last. I... It always feels like I've seen it way sooner than I have. You know what I mean? Like I, I do. remember seeing this movie so very vividly, but I've never gone and watched it on my own. Okay. Or even with or even with like a group of people. I it's just a movie that I remember 
blow for blow, <laughs> but it, it must have been th- like 10 years since I've seen this movie. Yeah, I think it's probably been a little less for maybe maybe five or seven years. But like you, I, despite not seeing it in a while, I remembered like every scene, not necessarily line for line. But this is a movie that, yeah, you may not seek it out, but it it stays with you weirdly. So I don't <laughs> I don't I don't get it. Yeah. And especially because I you know, I liked Tenacious D growing up, but I couldn't tell you that I was like a huge Jack Black fan. In fact, if anything, when this movie came out, the idea of Jack Black might have kept me from going to see this movie. <laughs> I was a Jack Black fan, as you could probably assume. Yeah, of course you were. But, um, <laughs> but you know, that's that's also not to say that I'm not now. I, I like Jack Black now, and I I, in hindsight... Don't know why I would have been discouraged to see Jack Black. I think he's a perfectly fine actor. Yeah, I want to get into him a little bit later, but I think the secret sauce to making this fairly generic premise work so well is the director, Richard Linklater. I think he's been nominated for like five Oscars. One of my all-time favorite filmmakers. He brought us Slacker, Dazed and Confused, Before Sunrise, Suburbia, The Newton Boys, Waking Life, Tape, Before Sunset, The Bad News Bears remake with Billy Bob Thornton, uh, Fast Food Nation, exactly. He's got a few in there that are like, yeah. But for the most part, Scanner Darkly, me and Orson Welles. He reteamed with Jack Black for Bernie in 2011. Really enjoyable Love Bernie. Yeah, great movie. Love Bernie, yeah. Then he made Before Midnight, Boyhood, Everybody Wants Some, Last Flag Flying, and his most recent film actually came out last year with Kate Blanchett that no one saw called Where'd You Go, Bernadette? I vaguely remember the previews for that one, but yeah. He, he's such an accomplished, independent auteur that occasionally dips his toes into this mainstream uh, type filmmaking. And I think School of Rock being his most financially successful to date, the most popular among, you know, typical, regular moviegoers. But for me, man, I, Boyhood, The Before Trilogy, Bernie, Dazed and Confused, those are like all-time classic movies. I love those movies. Oh, yeah. He's... I mean, like you said, a a stinker or two in there and a couple of things that I've never heard, but he borders on prolific. Very prolific. Yeah, he's working all the time. Even stuff like Everybody Wants Some, Scanner Darkly, Last Flag Flying, all pretty solid movies. Mm -hmm. Scanner Darkly, wow, I haven't seen that in a while. (laughs) That's a trip, yeah. School of Rock has a 7.1 on IMDb and 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't know how high that was, but uh, damn. Yeah, I knew it was a 91%. It's it's pretty high yeah it did have a much lower audience score though with a 64 percent approval rating by fans cost 35 million dollars to make it earned 81 million in the u.s and 131 million worldwide placing 36th on the domestic box office charts in 2003 actually sandwiched between two previous nbd horror episodes freddy versus jason and the texas chainsaw massacre remake Oof. (laughs) but in terms of comedies released that year it was beaten by Previous episode, Bruce Almighty, as well as Elf, Cheaper by the Dozen, Anger Management, Freaky Friday, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, American Wedding, Daddy Daycare, The Cat in the Hat, yuck, and Legally Blonde 2. Wow, what a year for perfect middling comedies. <laughs> it did outgross old school, your favorite movie, Kangaroo Jack, Bad Santa, Just Married, and Head of State, which we were talking about recently as a movie we, we should maybe revisit sometime. Head of State Rock. is, yeah, Head of State is fucking crazy. I saw it recently. We have to go watch it. Um, on that list, though, old school, maybe another stay tuned. I think we could do really that one fan. very easily. I also need to clarify if we have any new listeners. Uh, Brandon is joking. His favorite movie is Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> 
I still hold a grudge for for him making us do that on this show. Go back yeah, and listen. Yeah, again, not a, not a favorite episode or not a favorite movie rather. You I think that was like the one you gave a 10. I think that's your lowest that's my score lowest, so far. That's my yeah. lowest rated movie on this podcast is Kangaroo Jack. Yep, yep. We do got to do cheaper by the dozen sometime Ooh, too, man. Yeah, we do. That's that's an interesting one. Lots of great movies. Yeah. We're we're hitting our stride in episode what is it one hundred and three three years into this podcast. <laughs> um, it was the highest grossing music themed comedy of all time until it was overtaken in twenty fifteen by Pitch Perfect two. Damn it! I was about to yell at you too. Like, what else is there? Pitch Perfect, of course. <laughs> yep, that's it. Uh, there was a stage musical adaptation opened on Broadway in uh, 2015 and a television adaptation for Nickelodeon, which premiered in 2016. I guess it ran for three seasons. Didn't even know didn't that thing existed. Didn't know that. Uh, to be fair, though, I haven't turned on Nickelodeon since 2010. So. <laughs> Touche. And I think many people would consider High Fidelity probably Jack Black's first like real breakout role. Despite having some bit parts in movies before that, but this, I think, School of Rock was his real standout lead performance, announcing himself as the comedian we know now today. Yeah, he was kind of like a Flight of the Concord sort of. Anybody who watched Tenacious D, I mean, they're almost identical in history. Because um, that came out in the late 90s, the the band and, of course, his show. Yeah, um, but I, I would agree, and I think we mentioned this last week when we were previewing, that this really felt like the sh- the movie that launched him into what he is today. And today, I think he's a surprisingly versatile actor. He is. Uh, I mean, we were talking about like Bernie and just some of the other things. And even movies like the, uh, the Jumanji remake, which we blasted on this show very, very early in its inception, uh, but then both watched it and ended up kind of liking it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but he's even super enjoyable in that movie. So it, I, it's very interesting to go back and see this movie and see like all the Jack Blackisms that really made him famous. And mind you, he had done Saving Silverman, Shallow Hal, and Orange mm-hmm. County before this. Oh, yeah. This one's actually written by Mike White, who also wrote Orange County as well. But even those performances, I don't think they're quite marrying that like comic, manic energy style with his rocker persona, the, the tenacious D. I think this was Jack Black truly unfiltered. <laughs> yeah, I also don't think Saving Silverman and Orange County were reaching the audience that School yes. of Rock did. Very so I, it really does feel like kind of a turning point for him. And since this, he's really carved out a particular niche with becoming sort of like a, a family comedy icon over the last couple of decades with like Nacho Libre. You mentioned the Jumanji movies and Kung Fu mm-hmm. Panda and Goosebumps and House with a Clock in its Walls. He just keeps doing these like family friendly comedies that for the most part aren't bad, honestly. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda is one of my favorite karate movies like ever. <laughs> <laughs> It's crazy, but it's it's like super enjoyable. Um, Definitely the best animal kung fu movie around. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Um, yeah, which is weird because again, you look at movies like Tenacious D and Tropic Thunder. He, Tropic <laughs> yeah. Thunder. It's like yeah. he's set. He kind of is set up to be this almost like Seth Rogen type actor where it's, you know, he's just kind of a goofy chubby like comedy guy who would fit perfectly in that R rated sort of film. And he just, he chooses not to, I guess. And it's worked out for him. 
I think so. And we mentioned Mike White, who's the writer. Uh, he actually even not a fan of classic rock. He, the basis of the movie is actually used so Jack Black could perform his own favorite music. The idea, I guess, came when Mike White moved into an apartment next door to Jack Black, and White would often find him running naked throughout the halls or blasting much of the music featured in the movie at full volume. Uh, so yeah, just decided to write the movie about him. He's a great musician, by the way, too. I did. I feel like he I'm, is. He's got a good voice and a good stage presence. I feel like I'm riding Jack Black a little hard right now, but which is <laughs> which is odd for me. But um, he is a good musician. I've seen like a clip of him on a late night show doing War Pigs by Black yes. Sabbath. He fucking yep. rocks, dude. He 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 can jam. He can tread. And you can tell he has such a genuine affection for the genre. This music, like mm-hmm. he fucking loves it. It's not. There's no ounce of cynicism. He doesn't play it up. And his character in this movie also does the same, where he doesn't like play up the the shadier aspects of the the of hard rock. He really yeah. is just in love with sort of like the legendary he's, mythic quality of it almost. He's not yeah, exactly. He's not in this for the puss, dude. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And speaking of talented musicians, all the kids in the movie really do play their instruments. The backup singers are real vocalists. And Linklater is kind of known for having amazing soundtracks. In my opinion, Dazed and Confused is an all-time classic soundtrack. Agreed. This one, yeah. countless legendary bands from ACDC to The Clash, Cream, The Who, Metallica. It's crazy. But uh, most notably, Led Zeppelin, who are notoriously hesitant to allow their music to be licensed for commercial purposes. I guess knowing this, Linklater filmed a plea by Jack Black in front of a thousand screaming fans begging the band to let the production use Immigrant Song in the movie. The plea worked, and it's actually, the filmed request is included on the DVD as a special feature. It's kind of fun. Uh, really? Yes. Yeah. That's, that's cute. And lastly, the film was nominated for several awards, including, actually, Jack Black got a Golden Globe Award nomination for Best Actor, Comedy or Musical. He lost to Bill Murray for Lost in Translation. Stiff competition. Yeah, tough. But he did win the MTV Movie Award for Best Comedic Performance. <laughs> play, play, Can play. you stop? <laughs> Did he win anything for the, from the fucking Nickelodeon uh, Kids' Choice Award, dude? Oh, Kids' Choice Kids Awards. Choice I'm sure Award? he did, but I didn't get into that. No, I'm sorry. I draw the line oh, at MTV thanks. <laughs> thanks for drawing the line at the MTV Awards. <laughs> Idiot. Uh, and it's PG-13 for some rude humor and drug references. Ooh. Yeah. This was a movie I remember my mom wasn't uh, hesitant to take me to because all the previews and whatnot were on Nickelodeon. There are a few, like, kind of adult jokes, but this really does go down smooth with, like, there's not a lot of racy material or things that are uh, offensive today or anything. I think it pulls off this sort of timeless PG-13, like, it's like an edge, but it really is kind of softened or lightened up for a family audience, I suppose, so. Exactly. Oh, my God, look at those dogs. Look at Phoebe, just all snuggled up, nuzzling you. Oh, beat you up. <laughs> all right, dude, let's do it. So... Right off the top, big fan of this uh, opening credit scene because they kind of incorporate the the logos and whatnot, the titles into yeah. this long tracking shot. Really fun, I guess. It's so clever. It really is. Yeah, it reminded me of Napoleon Dynamite where they're doing the the food, the, the food plates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love that opening uh, sequence, by the way. Yeah, that's amazing. And this, I guess, the original screenplay was called The School of Rock, and you'll notice the title in the movie is actually called The School of Rock. They took the the out later on for marketing, or right. whatever. But they chose not to digitally remove the extra word from the credits. But it is kind of funny that it's there. But we're introduced to rock band No Vacancy (laughs) performing at a New York nightclub. Jack Black is on guitar. He plays Dewey Finn. 
And, uh, you know, he's a real showboat, doing everything he can to attract attention away from his bandmates, including stage diving and <laughs> collapsing onto the ground because no one's having as good a time as this guy, nor do they want to catch this fucking idiot. Right. His band, man, it's, they sound like Creed, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're awful. They're really bad. Like, I'm heartbreak. <laughs> the lead <laughs> singer of this like, band sucks. <laughs> such a chode, yeah. Um, the next day, we're introduced to his sheepish nerdy roommate this is mike white the writer he plays ned schneebly and uh berated by his girlfriend into collecting back rent sarah silverman in a venomous performance <laughs> dude it's so weird because i i know sarah silverman now from a lot more stuff but at the time i think this was one of my first exposures to sarah silverman yeah and i'm surprised i didn't sour on her immediately this character sucks she is such a bitch and and, and it's understandable to Again, because she's being the mature person, you can completely understand why she's behaving this way. But at the same time, she takes it to such mm. a degree, being so rude and mean to and berating Mike White this entire movie. It's uh, he, he's a real cuck. It's so opposite of what Sarah Silverman actually is, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good performance, honestly. She oh, plays yeah. Patty DeMarco. But Dewey owes about 2200 And if he doesn't come up with the money by the end of the week, he's out of there. We learn sort of through conversation that Dewey's been mooching off Ned for years and Ned's, you know, kind of okay with it, honestly, because he's just such a big, not big a fan of him, but he's just, you know, he's been with him for so long. It's like a Shaun of the Dead, you know, Nick Frost, Simon Pegg situation where he's just kind of a, you know, right. a mooching roommate, but he's a lovable idiot. Uh, exactly. Just kind of dealing with it. Yeah. But Ned, I mean, in his own words is like, I may never get another girlfriend. <laughs> so he's begging him, like, please just pay me some rent so she doesn't leave because I can't look like a giant pussy to her any longer. I was going to say, too. As terrible as the Sarah Silverman character is, this guy sucks. Like right <laughs> yeah, off the bat, a... he is—he's a chode. He's saying like the meanest things about her, and, like to her face, like calling her a dog at some point. At one point, I oh, think. Oh, Dewey, yeah, Jack Black, yeah, he's such a kind of—I uh, can't call him unlikable because I guess it's just Jack Black bringing this charisma. However, if you weren't a fan of Jack Black going into this movie, I think right off the bat you're going to be like, this character is fuck awful. this guy, yeah. <laughs> Ned is a substitute teacher. Dewey's service to society is rocking. <laughs> so to add insult to injury, though, he's kicked out of the band and replaced by some dude named Spider. <laughs> I love Spider. Big fan of Spider. <laughs> yeah, big fans of Spider. Uh, they, I mean, they do admit, you know, he's talented. He's a good guitar player, but it's your fucking 20-minute solos and your stage diving. Like, your antics have got to go. He rocks too hard is what, what the he problem is. He rocks too hard, yeah. Yeah. Later that day, he takes a message for Ned from Principal Rosalie Mullins, also known as Roz, played by Joan Cusack, whom we love here. Love it. And uh, at first he's like, ah, he's not here. What's the situation, though? How much we making? And she says, like, once he hears about the 650 bones a week, uh, he decides, good enough for me. I'm going to impersonate Ned. <laughs> I mean, this is such a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's one of those like plans in movies. You're like, how do you expect? How do you expect this is gonna go? Like, what's the best case scenario? Why do you yeah. think this is a good idea? Yeah, fuck. But but it fits right in line with this character who's just so naive and just believes it's all gonna just somehow work out. Like he'll 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 fuck the system. So he accepts a temporary substitute position at Horace Green Prep School, the best elementary school in New York, supposedly. 
And uh, I mean, immediately from the get go, he does put on like a scarf and, and a, like a jacket, tries to look semi professional. But he's, you know, he meets Joan Cusack basically like, so you got to pay me up front or how does this work? Can I dip out early? <laughs> what yeah. time's lunch? Can you like, write the checkout to Dewey Finn? <laughs> how is this like not an immediate red flag? That's the thing. I will say that my biggest gripe, I guess, with the movie, and I, I honestly don't have too many, but one of them is that Joan Cusack's character, who's supposed to be very intelligent, you know, to, is running the school, how she doesn't immediately just <laughs> fire this guy. It doesn't set off any sort of red flags with her, with her being so obsessive about, you know, controlling every aspect of this school. My other uh, gripe with this movie, and it is the only gripe I really have with this movie, is that apparently... They fucking work in soundproof classrooms. <laughs> yeah. They try to address that even later on, but it's like, eh, okay. I don't movie. believe this. <laughs> you have a drum set in there. You ever heard a drum set, Brandon? It's fucking loud. <laughs> oh, I've heard one. Uh, see drumline. <laughs> so he's introduced to the class. It's about 20 kids. I love how he tries to write his name on the board, but he can't spell Schneebly, so he just erases it and goes, oh, you know what, I'm just call me Mr. S. <laughs> Red flag number two. Yep. And as soon as Roz leaves, he sort of reverts back to the real Dewey. He bums a sandwich off a kid and begins his lesson with, I've got a hangover. Who knows what that is? Doesn't that mean you're drunk? No. It means I was drunk yesterday. <laughs> Great line. This was a trailer line I remember too. We meet a few of the students, some more than others. Uh, one of the ones that kind of gets the spotlight here is Miranda Cosgrove. This is her first performance. She would become pretty famous thanks to Nickelodeon, Drake and Josh. <laughs> That's right. Your Here favorite. she plays Summer. And I, you know wait, and iCarly, you stupid asshole. Yeah, I'm sorry. All right, look, listen, iCarly was after my time. I know her as Drake and Josh, all right? Well, but well I don't know, know her as Drake and Josh. Right. Was she the same character in Drake no. and Josh? No. 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 Yeah, because she's got a different brother in iCarly. Sorry, God, fuck me, dude. <sighs> Jesus. There's also Lawrence, who's pretty shy. There's a rowdy Freddie Jones. We'll come to mo know more about them uh, later on, but... After class ends, Dewey sets out posting flyers for his band, seeking other mates, because he wants to form a band to win the $20,000 prize for the upcoming Bottle of the Bands, dude. And again, just saying this plot out loud seems so like cliched and kind of dumb, but but they pull it off. They really do. It, it is like, I don't know, man. It's a crazy concept for a movie when you really stop and think about like, if this were to happen in real life. <laughs> yeah, the logistics of this and like what he's, how he's endangering the lives of so many students at some point. <laughs> he's committing fraud to get money out of like a very prestigious school. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this is, uh, what did that Fuller House girl go to jail for? This is basically that. No, she was, <laughs> Not even she a was doing bit. like, oh. fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> the next day, he starts his lesson off with basically telling the kids to quit give up you know because you're never going to beat the man who's the man oh i'll tell you the man he goes on this whole diatribe about society at large and whatnot but he's thankfully interrupted by Roz, who informs him hey this is the time the kids have music class so he sends him out and eventually overhears them and thinks they're pretty fucking good he's actually quite amazed by some of their talents soon devising a plan to build his band out of the most talented students so he runs out to his van real quick, grabs all his gear and equipment and sets it up for an impromptu jam sesh when they return. And this is where we meet some more of the kids. He casts classical guitarist Zach Mooneyham as lead guitarist. 
This guy has an asshole of a dad who's real judgmental and doesn't want him to play rock and roll, dude. Yeah, this guy's the worst. Uh, you need to do your chores. Don't fucking give me attitude. I'll kill you. Great impression, too. You nailed it. That's that's the impression of his dad. There's percussionist Freddie Jones. Thank He's going to be the drummer. There's cellist Katie, who's going to be on bass. Pianist Lawrence on keyboard. And, of course, Dewey himself as lead vocalist and guitarist. <laughs> It's so fucking narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like testing them all with all these classic rock riffs. And I got to say, Jack Black, just just perfect. Like no ounce of cynicism, as I mentioned before. He doesn't try. There's not a false note really in this performance. Just full of energy. He easily relates to the kids and can speak to them, you know, on their level. This sounds like such a cliche to say of actors, but you can really tell that he is and just you know, basing this off of other movies I've seen him in, he's having so much goddamn fun filming this movie. Like, you can just tell. Like, he is so fucking about this role. And it this movie accomplishes the almost impossible task of making 10-year-olds come across natural without being grating. I mean, of course, unless that's what the scene calls for, which is a couple parts where they're, you know, purposefully annoying. But, man, a, a cast of, like, I mean, at least 10 kids who are all about t 10 or 12 years old in the movie... For them to even come across as not me not wanting to punch them in the face is a feat. You know what I mean? They they all do a pretty good job. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. I don't think there was a single. Maybe there was one kid that I was like, I want to punch <laughs> this kid. Um, but but no, you're right. I I can't really think of anybody else who I was like, man, fuck this kid or fuck this kid actor. Like everybody's really good. Yeah. I, compared to the most of these movies that we've been, you know, like a heavyweights or the mighty ducks. And those aren't necessarily the best. Honey, I blew up the kids. <laughs> For sure. Any of these movies with like a, a largely kid cast, how easily this can go off the rails. And yeah. again, largely due to Jack Black's kind of performance here, but I think, they do pull it off. He sets those four into place and just starts performing for the students. He assigns them all a new project called Rock Band. And uh, the project's going to replace normal lessons. He lies to them all, telling them that all these schools will be competing in like a sort of battle of the bands sort of competition. A lot of the kids disappointed that they can't be in the band. So he gives the remaining students different jobs like you guys will be backup singers and you'll be roadies. <laughs> Security detail, band stylists. Unfortunately, some of them get labeled groupies. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is a bit strange, but he does kind of like play it off like, no, they're, they're more cheerleaders. They don't buck the band. You know, this is a really kind of a cool concept, though, for like some sort of maybe high school charter school or something like that, or even some sort of college course, because it is crazy how deep divey he gets into the technical aspects of being in an actual band things you wouldn't really think about other beyond like people just playing music. Like he, he's getting them into like venue management and shit like this. It's <laughs> light shows and shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's really crazy how much, and I get that this is the whole fucking point of the movie, but it's really crazy how much these kids are learning from him trying to start a rock band with fucking 10 year olds. <laughs> Yeah, again, like essentially exploiting their talents for his own personal financial gain. <laughs> but yeah. th they're also building confidence and you can tell that they eventually actually start to really like not only the class, but him himself too. Summer yeah. is declared band manager after she basically blackmails him into saying, you know, I'll tell my, my mother who pays like $15,000 a year for me to go here that I'm wasting my time doing this shit. Yeah, that I've been labeled a groupie. Can you fucking imagine? <laughs> 
being that mom and having your kid come home and be like, my substitute teacher said I was a groupie for his rock band. My 10-year-old daughter, I'd kill somebody. <laughs> There's a scene where uh, Dewey starts to gauge sort of what the kids are into for music by asking around the room, and they give answers like, mm, Christina Aguilera and Buff Daddy. There's one kid who does the Liza Minnelli reference, and again... There, there's a couple of these uh, like cliche standard stock characters. Like this kid's clearly meant to be like a, a gay character who's yeah. very feminine, but doesn't hold. They up. never make fun of him. No, it doesn't hold. That doesn't hold up his his like representation. But I will say they don't make fun of these characters. They're always just everybody's always accept. Like he's very accepting of everyone, and it's not like a point out this kid to make fun of them. It's just yeah. I think no, they're trying to add some character or color to. The, and no the point room. do they do like a gay panic joke, or they look yes. at that kid and be like, "Oh, I bet you do like you know this kind of stuff." Exactly. Um. So, I guess props for that, but it is still like. Heavily implied, I think. So I I think that one doesn't quite hold the test of time. Also, this is the one character that I was like, I'm not crazy about this character. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's probably yeah. the biggest dick in the movie. He is. He is. But but they also have, like, the, the overweight girl who's, you know, shy because she is worried her appearance is going to, you know, get her picked on or something like that. And I think they handle that fairly well. Mm-hmm. In in terms of an early two thousands movie, especially around this time where people were so mean spirited towards you know anything like that, so I think yeah. you know in, in terms of its time, it's all right. It holds up. No, it's you know there's some nice genuine stuff in there. But he's angered and shocked, frankly, to learn none of them know who you know Led Zeppelin, Black Sabbath, Motorhead, <laughs> and uh, he establishes this new curriculum that includes stuff like band theory and rock appreciation. <laughs> And uh, practice, he's giving them all like CDs to listen to on their way out of class. This one song, this song that he's written specifically for Battle of the Bands, the kids kind of pressure him into giving them a performance. So he gives them a taste of some of his lyrics. And uh, it's this one long take. I think it's maybe two minutes long of him just going through what he pictures this first appearance to be like. (laughs) It's all black. And then an illuminated spotlight on my face. He goes through. And again, it's literally, it just starts pulling out slowly to reveal the class in front of him. And he just fucking goes. You could tell that most of this is not, it can't, it can't be in a script. I don't even know what the fucking script for this would look like. Cause it's just him miming and, and doing like, yeah. And like, even the lyrics to the song are like, they're very tenacious. legend of the rent was way hardcore. You're not hardcore unless you like, it's very tenacious D E. So I, I have to believe that at least a large chunk of this was improvised. Yeah. Probably just like, I don't know, sing about how you got kicked out of the band. <laughs> and again, you talked about how narcissistic it is. Yeah, this entire song, again, that he's using these kids for is all about he's a legend and how yeah. the band kicked him out <laughs> too early and all this. It's so dumb. He needs rent money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ultimately, the legend of the rent was way hardcore. So later at lunch, he tries to convince Roz to let him bring the kids on a field trip, what will be the Battle of the Bands, but she shoots that down real quick. Uh, You're a substitute teacher. We don't have any clearances. Where are you going? None of these questions he has answers for, but the more practice they get in, the more he starts to actually help the kids out. There's Lawrence. He starts reassuring him that the kid's kind of worried about not being cool enough for the band. Zach, who, as we mentioned, father personally disapproves of rock music. Probably abusive. Probably abusive. Definitely verbally, if not physically. Yeah. And uh, Tamika, a bit too self-conscious to audition for backup singer, despite having a great singing voice that he kind of coaches or coaxes out of her shell. The next day, he gets the kids to come up with 
all the things that piss them off. It's like a, what pisses me off, like homework and bullies and all this stuff. Yeah. And again, this could this scene could be so fucking obnoxious and cutesy, but they toe that line, like they skirt the line, and it just comes off as, you know, kind of charming, a little benign, and kind of like you're spinning your wheels. But again, I like this little montage of the kids. They're practicing, accomplishing their individual tasks. It's all set to the Ramones. You know, what it really does is just kind of move the movie along. This movie is not, that long i was expecting like a slog through this movie and it really did it chugs along just pacing wise but even the runtime is it's only like 149 or something like that it's really not that bad no not too bad at all i think it holds kids attention because again it, it keeps it moving mm-hmm. and the kids starting to get more confident a little more rebellious and independent in their attitudes they start fucking with some of the teachers one of them's like you know spiking his hair and rolling up his sleeves and shit and uh, Dewey also starts to bond with the other teachers. He learns some gossip that Roz once got drunk and did a Stevie Nicks impersonation. So he's going to try and use that to his advantage. Also finds out that he needs to prepare for an upcoming parents night presentation that he has no idea what he's going to say or do. So I think it's about two weeks into his hiring. He finally manages to sneak a couple of the students out of school to audition for this spot on the bill in the competition. The rest of the class stays behind to maintain a cover. They coordinate this very elaborate, interactive, like, audio presentation behind closed doors to trick Roz. That somehow works. It's very Ferris Ferris Bueller-y. Yeah, yeah. Also, for those of you adding to the list of uh, crimes committed at home, you can now include uh, kidnapping on, like, (laughs) seven counts. That's right, yeah. Once at the competition, he actually loses one of the kids. Freddy is actually hanging out in a van. They're like smoking cigarettes, supposedly cigarettes. Who knows, dude? Probably a dubs. Yeah, playing play poker, poker yeah. and whatnot. And this really pisses off Dewey. You can tell it. it's at this moment in the movie. He's slowly starting to mature as a character. Oh, uh, Brandon, he's teaching the kids, but maybe they're teaching him. Yes, you got it. Uh, that's growth, good. Buddy. Yeah, that's good screenwriting, Brandon. Yeah, Freddie fights back with that. I just was I was just hanging out with some real rockers. And he's like, they're fucking posers. They're not rockers. Rock ain't about getting loaded and being a jerk. Because again, to him, it's an art form, not a lifestyle. But the group ultimately rejected because the bill is fill, full. But Dewey takes Summer's advice by tricking the staff into thinking that all the students have some sort of terminal illness. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> He's like, oh, I was just kind of about to, I'm sorry I busted in there. You know, I was just bringing the kids back to wherever this hospital I volunteer at. They've all got some uh, disease. Stick it to the man. It's just some bullshit. Again, it's dumb, but it shows that they're all working together and uh, they managed. It works like they managed to get on the on the bill. Yeah. And they also agree on a band name, School of Rock. Zach, that's the title of the movie. Actually, the band name is called The School of Rock, Brandon. And I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know if you mentioned this, but there's no the in the in the title. (laughs) Yeah, little little fun bit of trivia there. Bring that up at all? I don't. I can't remember. Um, Yes. And the kid Billy, that kid we mentioned earlier, who was assigned to like create the like costumes for the band, is just fed up at this point because everything, all these like prototypes he's shown them, everyone keeps rejecting. So he's like, fine, just wear your goddamn uniforms, and that will be their. That'll be their costume. And they love it. Yeah. Going after the whole, you know, Pink Floyd, we don't need no education. Uh, look there. It's, 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 you got it. <laughs> yeah. 
But in the middle of this, Roz shows up unannounced, and Dewey's forced to like ad lib this music theory teaching process that he's touted this whole time, which is just super <laughs> embarrassing to watch. Uh, he like gets math, yeah, screws up a math <laughs> these problem, ma- math then. equations. Yeah, but she finds his methods quite unusual, forces him to teach the actual material. He ends up asking her out for a drink. That's right. Yeah, he starts off by coffee, but they arrive at a bar, <laughs> so he's just giving her a huge fucking stein of beer. And I love Joan Cusack. She's so fun. And this character is, you know, kind of like a could be on paper, really stuffy and annoying. And I guess, you know, she's meant to come off that way. But there's still such just kind of like an awkward charm to Joan Cusack that you enjoy. You enjoy her anyway. I, I could use I could use more Joan Cusack in pretty much everything, man. She's wonderful. She's delightful. And I guess in the original script, their characters were more romantic. There was like a subplot and I'm so glad they took it out of this because it would just come across as needless and yes, for sure. And I'm glad they don't do that. They just kind of strike up a friendship over Stevie Nicks (laughs) because he puts the the song on the jukebox and she's kind of smitten. There is a conspicuous lack of love interest in this movie. I'm so happy about that. Yeah. Can you, because can you imagine them shoehorning, shoehorning a love interest, like another teacher? or something into oh for sure like they do in vice principals you know like just like eating lunch next to oh you're so good with the kids and then you know fucking oh my god it's predictable it's shitty very glad they left it out yeah very glad they left it out because this is about him and the kids i'm glad they don't clutter it up he kind of sort of convinces her to let them uh, let him bring the kids to a concert although again she's kind of tipsy at this point so she it's not it doesn't hold any water, but this is the first time she's actually ever been out with a teacher because she knows everyone at the school hates her, largely due to the fact uh, that she's just under a tremendous amount of pressure from the parents. They're all dicks to her. Understandably so, because, again, $15,000 a year right. to send my little shit to elementary school, you know? Yeah, I'd be a little bit of a dick, too, if I was a parent spending that kind of money to send a kid. <laughs> like, Yeah, you know, finding out that they're just fucking playing Led Zeppelin in class. <laughs> exactly. I'd be a little pissed off, so I get it. Dewey overhears Zach the next day practicing a song he actually wrote himself and decides the band is going to learn this song because that's what bands do. So he gets the lyrics and they start to create the song. I love this in movies. When they do it right, well, like Hustle and Flow or like all these music biopics. Any of, I mean, I love that they do it in Walk Hard and stuff like that, but any of these scenes where it's just characters coming up with a song and putting the things together. (laughs) Although now when I watch these scenes in movies, all I can think of is the fucking Tim Robinson sketch with him. Like the bones are their money. The bones are their dollars. The country music singer. (laughs) (laughs) The bones are their money. (laughs) He's just like, why, why did you keep coming in? He's like, I thought you didn't have any lyrics. I was just making them off the top of my head or whatever. It's so good. That is, um, I think I've recommended that movie on this podcast or that show on this oh, podcast yeah. before. I think I've watched it six times since it then. Needs it's like one a of my favorite season. Things. I don't know why it doesn't have one. Uh, they were in production, but COVID stopped. Oh, uh, okay. Well, hopefully that gets back up and running because yeah, yeah, one of the best. But yeah, uh, I I really like this scene. Uh, and honestly, the song itself, while while kind of kids boppy, is really catchy. <laughs> it is. It's you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it is. It's a pretty. It's a pretty standard like rock family friend. kid rock yeah, anthem. Exactly. Yeah, think like Good Charlotte. I'm just a kid, brah. <laughs> <laughs> or wait, no wait, that wasn't Good Charlotte, dude. That was Simple Plan. Fuck. Are you fucking Fuck. kidding me? Take away my that's, cool kid card. <laughs> yeah, that's the end of nostalgia. Be damned. We're fucking done. This is the line. Yeah, we're, was, we're not joking anymore. <laughs> Brandon fucked up Good Charlotte and Simple Plan. 
So it's the night before the competition, and Ned receives a paycheck from the school in the mail. So he's very confused at this, considering he's never worked there. Starts to call them back up while Dewey's preparing for the parents' night, and Dewey finally confesses, comes clean, because what's her? Patty walks in at the same time, so he jets, and he even tries to confess to Roz right as they're about to like walk in. I think he's just kind of felt the pressure and has nowhere else to go at this point. And this is where all these tensions kind of rising. This yeah. is where you know. Not necessarily the climax of the movie, because, of course, the final performance is going to be the climax. But this is where, you know, the all hope is lost moment is for this character. So he arrives at the parents meeting. She sort of dismisses it because he even tells her I'm a fraud. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, you're a great teacher. <laughs> no, you're a good teacher. But well, you don't know that <laughs> clearly at the meeting. The parents start to inquire what Dewey has been actually teaching these kids. So he tries to explain it the best he can. But they're not having it. They all think he's full of shit. And while this is all happening, the police start arriving outside the door, led by Ned and Patty. And again, at this point, he realizes he's fucked. So he just starts rattling off all these, like, compliments about the students, uh, which is kind of heartfelt. And we, and it's just, it, I really like this scene, honestly. And then, of course, it's, like, capped off with a really great, like, line reading where he says something like, because the cops bust in, they reveal, that's not Ned Neebly. He's not even a teacher. And then he's like, listen... My name is Dewey Finn, and I have been touched by your kids. And I'm pretty sure I've touched them. <laughs> and then I just want to point out my other big gripe with this movie. He is not arrested on the spot. He walks away. He goes home. He, he faces no legal repercussions no. whatsoever. Yeah. He, ki he committed fraud, kidnapped kids, essentially stole from this school. Yeah. And then <laughs> admitted in front of police and parents that he might have touched kids. <laughs> I just hiccuped in the middle of that. I can't even cut around it. That sucks. But um, <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's great. I I didn't remember that, and I was just sitting there waiting for him to be like getting out of jail or something. No, nope. he just goes home and eats cereal. <laughs> yeah, he's just sprinting out of the uh, school there with his guitars in hand. Uh, back at the apartment, Dewey and Patty start arguing. While Ned intervenes and tells Dewey, you know what, I think you should probably move out. So the next morning, the parents are in an uproar in front of Mullins at her office, while the kids decide not to let their hard work go to waste. They like Mr. S, and they want to perform. So the new substitute discovers that the kids are missing. She informs Roz, and Roz tells the parents. And again, at this point, she's been so overwhelmed by the stress, she has to actually leave the room while they're all mm -hmm. screaming at her. She finds out, walks back in, and just very nonchalantly is like, your kids are missing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck these parents. Yeah. So they're like in a race to the competition. Summer convinces the bus driver to bring all these kids to Mr. S's house to pick them up. Uh, and that's when Freddie sort of convinces him to come by repeating the line he gave him earlier, one great rock show can change the world. What the fuck was that? You know, <laughs> just a cool sound I can do with my lip, brah. I don't like uh, stop. I don't like it. No. <laughs> the visuals don't help. It, I'm sure our listeners hate it. I don't like it. <laughs> so, uh, and he's kind of genuinely moved that the kids would show up for him. So he leaves. And at this point, Patty and Ned are just walking in. So they, she grabs the phone to like call the cops again, essentially. And Ned finally decides to stand up for himself. He leaves Patty as she's berating him once again, slams the door mid-sentence. Solid stick it to the man. 
By the way, he has once again kidnapped a bunch of kids. Go on. He has, yes, indeed. And Dewey and those kids arrive just before they're set to start. In fact, his old band No Vacancy is playing as they enter. And they somehow got they somehow got worse. They, <laughs> they fucking did. suck. Spider, what the fuck, dude? Yeah, I thought Spider was supposed to fucking turn this band around. <laughs> and uh, this is my other sort of gripe with the movie, because all of this comes together such a, like a last minute thing where Dewey decides, you know what? We're not going to play my song. Let's play Zach's song instead. They've got one shot, Zach, one opportunity to seize it. This is everything they've ever wanted. Stop. Oh, we knew you're doing it. Would they capture it? Or just let it slip. <laughs> but it's like I, I wish don't know this if any. But I don't know if any <laughs> of our listeners have ever seen a picture of Brandon. But Brandon is one of the whitest people I've ever. Seen. <laughs> what um, does that mean, dude? <laughs> you're almost on. transparent, Brandon. Um, your your <laughs> skin is clear, Brandon. And for you to just casually drop <laughs> Eminem references lyrics, like casually that. drop Eminem isn't helping your case. <laughs> it's not helping mine. I look white by proxy, and don't get me wrong, I'm very white, but it's just, you know, I didn't ask for All you to right, do that. dude, I'm sorry. <laughs> Stop. Uh, but I, I just wish this wasn't an almost, like, entirely improvised, improvised performance last minute, because I feel like if they had just set out to perform Zach's song after they first heard it, this would just be so much more believable because like the other kids are like, uh, uh, all of our fucking light cues are set to the other song. All the graphics are to the other song. It's like, Hey, we're just going to fucking wing it. And they're like, we've only practiced this song like once or twice. And it's like, I get what he's going for to be like, you know what? My, I've you know come full circle as a character. I don't care necessarily as much about my stuff. This is all about you as the kids. I get it. I just wish they maybe had set it up a bit so it doesn't come off as so, I guess unbelievable in this in this climax. I'm fine. I roll with it because it's you know yeah, just a little minor. Gripe. Yeah, whatever. It's the kids are talented, you know. The parents arrive. They're forced to buy tickets, and they push their way to the front of the crowd. It's just a fucking mob of Kens and Karens, and uh, this they start performing the song "School of Rock." It's like an entire three and a half minutes of the entire song. It's super fun. Yeah, I it, well shot performance. I like the light show and everything. It like comes together pretty well. Yeah, and again, we already touched on what the song is. It's you know, yeah, it's it's fine. It's it's a good you know family friendly rock song. If you heard it on, in a real battle of the bands, you probably wouldn't be like, "This is amazing." Yeah, nor would you probably enjoy it as much if it was adults. The fact that, you know, they are kids is the real, you know, uh, attraction. Yeah. Although, you know, they're sort of dismissed as a gimmick at first when they first start playing. And then slowly but surely they went over the entire crowd. And it helps that Jack Black is a genuinely good rock singer. He can hit those high notes and belt out those verses very believably. Uh, Tamika, she gets a verse as well. Her parents are super proud, as is Zach's parents, who fucking shreds on the guitar, bro. His chode father finally coming yeah. around. Maybe I should stop being less of a chode. And, uh, you know, each of the kids sort of get a little moment to shine. I <laughs> like the, at one point, one of the fathers is like, your son's very skilled. Thanks. So's yours. Mike White's <laughs> reactions are so... <laughs> It's like me, yeah, are so white. So bad at one point, like, my, woo. yeah, woo, this is great. And then at one point, um, 
I mean, I don't want to spoil it in the <laughs> next five minutes, but um, but like he's he's mad about something. He just goes School of Rock. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> so stupid. He looks terrible. Yeah, he's not doing good. And uh, you know, Dewey finally gets that stage dive, and just so fucking happy that people like the music enough to catch him. Like you mentioned, yeah, Ned's in the crowd cheering, joyful. Roz heads backstage after they finish and is, I mean, simultaneously furious and proud and happy for all of them. Even Spider tries hitting on her, tries to get some of that cute ass. Probably successfully, we can assume. Oh, I don't know why it wouldn't be. Yeah, it's Spider. Yeah, it's Spider. He's the fucking hottest dude in the world. You think I don't want a piece of Spider? Break me off a piece of that Spider, Brandon. (laughs) He's got eight legs, dude. I can munch one. The weird part of it all, too, is that he's wearing, like, shoulder chaps. Like, he doesn't, he's not wearing his shirt. It's just, like, leather. Yeah, it's one of those, sh- <laughs> yeah, they're just shoulder pads. <laughs> that run the entire length of his arm. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. It's uh, fucking awesome, man. I love spiders. <laughs> but when all is said and done, no vacancy, sadly, wins the Battle of the Bands to rather middling audience reception. Dewey's pissed off, but the, kid convince, uh, the kids convince him it's not all about what the man likes, so... The crowd, thankfully, starts chanting School of Rock. Zach, that's the name of the movie, in case you forgot. Well, actually, Brandon, oh, no, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) And they want an encore, so the band comes out to rapturous applause, and they play a little ACDC. It's a long way to the top. And then that kind of carries us into the end credits as we cut to some time later. Dewey has his own after-school program called School of Rock. Zach, that's the name of the movie. Is it though? I don't. And uh, credits roll over this jam sesh at his apartment, yeah. where he's teaching ten-year-olds rock music. I don't know what how profitable this business will be. It seems like it's the same kids from the school, but I mean, you're essentially he's a got a job. Te- you're essentially a music teacher at that point, you know. Yeah. I mean, I took lessons when I was that age, so. Yeah, but did I, you take them in the apartment of your, uh, I guess, criminal? Yes. substitute teacher you did <laughs> to my crib to my criminal substitute teacher no did i go over to a teacher's house to take lessons yes oh hang on a second dude this is something we got to unpack <laughs> <laughs> moving on yeah moving on uh i mean that's i like this movie, movie man yeah. yeah it is the end of the movie i gotta say man it's pretty charming it's a charming movie i had a smile on my face for much of the runtime i think you know, Linklater creates this sort of breezy vibe that does a great job of marrying his, like, slacker-style, meandering characters with a, a tight sort of mainstream comedy script. It's just genuinely light and entertaining. I gotta say, the music's fun. The kids are uniformly competent, at least. You know what I mean? They're all fairly good to, to decent. No one sticks out as a bad actor or anything like that. I think Jack Black was truly born for this character. It is quintessentially him so close to his own public persona and sensibilities that it's hard to see where the actor ends and the character begins. Mm-hmm. So I can't, it's hard to even say it's a great performance because it's a lot of people will argue it's just him being him, but I really think he, he brings a lot to this and this movie would not be nearly as good without, honestly, I don't even know if there's a movie without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess today's audiences may consider it fairly uneventful, by today's family film standards, because there's not a whole lot going on, despite, I think, the, the pace and the, the, the movie running at a fairly decent clip. I guess my, my real grip with it is it isn't a laugh-out-loud comedy. There aren't a lot of jokes that I found myself, you know, slapping my knee to or anything, but it's consistently enjoyable. And I gotta say, I think it's, it has enough edge for a family comedy to be enjoyable later in life, 
which I think is what is lacking from a lot of the movies we watch on this show. Like a lot of them are really entertaining when you're a kid and then you watch them later on. You're like, Jesus Christ, there's nothing here for me. But I think it's definitely worth a revisit for those that liked it back then and could absolutely be enjoyed by kids and adults alike today. I'm going to go high with this one. I'm going to give it an uh, 86 or something like that. I think it's, yeah, mid-80s, dude. I I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I totally agree with you, man. I mean, I I won't go into too much because I really don't have anything left to say that you haven't already said it is really fun it's bouncy um we needed it on this show desperately i think that for our <laughs> mental health we really needed a movie that was <laughs> that was this um but that's how i feel watching this movie too sometimes like i just feel refreshed after yeah. watching that movie i it really you said it so many times there's really no cynicism in it um it's it it isn't that funny, but it it's you know enjoyable for the family. The music is pretty enjoyable because I I genuinely enjoy some of that music that is sure. played in this. Maybe not specifically the School of Rock song, but yeah. but a lot you know the a lot of the other music, the Ramones and oh yeah, all every, its influences yeah, for sure. Zeppelin, all its influences. You're right. Um, I mean. This movie doesn't happen without Jack Black. He carries this movie. He didn't need to necessarily because nobody else does a bad job in this movie. And the script is fine. It carries itself just fine. But Jack Black just puts it on a different level. He really does. And it is true because he he's liking it so much. Jack Black's playing Jack Black in this movie. He's, yeah. he's not playing a character. He's playing a guy who just genuinely loves music, loves rock music specifically and does have this very nice charm and heart um if you enjoyed it as a kid you can probably get some enjoyment out of it i don't think it's one of those movies where you sit around with your buddies and get drunk and let's watch school of rock like we are yeah like we so often do if you know when we're looking <laughs> through some of these movies it's it's really just kind of something like you know, I'm tired on a Sunday. I want to turn my brain off for a couple hours. I'll yeah. turn on School of Rock. You know, I don't know if I'll ever go out of my way again to watch it. I, I hope I watch it a few more times, but um, yeah, I'll never probably go out of my way to watch it just because it's, you know, could do better now. But <laughs> <laughs> Sure. But it's perfectly enjoyable. I think everybody who liked it can get something out of it. I would absolutely show uh, show this in a family gathering if I had children. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it an 88. I think there's, you know, again, not super funny, not a whole lot going on in it, but it's perfectly, perfectly enjoyable. Um, fun movie. Really glad we did it. Yeah. It just, it goes down smooth for sure. Yeah. I think your mileage may vary if you go into this, not liking Jack Black or classic rock music, you know, you might not like it as much as us. (laughs) You know what I mean? If those two things you go in and you don't like those things, there's only so far the movie can take you. (laughs) If ACDC is not your jam. Yeah. It's probably get hard to shoot to thrill. Exactly. (laughs) Not a lot of shoot to thrill in this movie. I'm going to listen to shoot to thrill when this is, Uh, I can't wait. Man, I'm gonna listen to some Creed. Maybe some Simple Plan. Yeah. Well, you would. <laughs> well, is are you gonna listen to Simple Plan or Good Charlotte? Ooh, fuck, dude, that's a hard choice to pick, my friend. My friend, I don't know. I'll be racking my brain for hours. Guess you'll have to listen to both. Um, 
Stop <laughs> doing the fucking noise. If you do the noise one more time, I'm ending the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. Well, before we get into next week, do you have anything you'd like to uh, recommend or not recommend? What'd you watch, buddy? Uh, Probably sports. A lot of sports, I'd assume. Oh, football season started. Yeah, so back I did, up. I did power on sports, but I did watch a movie that I had already seen before, um, but I watched it again because it's just kind of an enjoyable movie to me. Um, so I'll go ahead and recommend it. It's on Netflix right now. And I know, Brandon, you get a little enjoyment out of this movie probably based on your work history. Nightcrawler, Jake oh, Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Dude, what a fucking weird, weird movie. I love it, though. <laughs> I think it's it's funny for me because, um, I don't know, longtime listeners may or may not know, worked in news for a little bit. I worked as a photographer uh the week before I saw this movie, like I started my job, went through training, did a couple of days on the job and then watched Nightcrawler. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> weird, weird timing for me. But I love that movie. Um, it's Jake Gyllenhaal, super creepy, but enjoyable. I don't know. Just kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I love not that the best movie. movie I've ever seen, but it is really, really good. It's a sensationalized, you know, account of that job or profession. It's, it's, it's probably more, more or less. To out it's here, more I mean, or less in Los Angeles, probably <laughs> it, compared to what that's we were true. Doing. That's true, but it is more or less satire of yes. like yeah. of modern uh, local news. And it's honestly one of the fucking best performances I've seen in a decade from any actor. It, it is. It blows my mind he was not nominated for that movie. That's crazy to me. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal in that movie. So but, good. Yeah, uh, but I anyway, watched, that's uh, what I watched. I watched a couple. I watched. I'm thinking of ending things. The new Charlie Coffin uh, Netflix movie. Oh, that movie looks fucking wild. Yeah, I. I mean, I watched it. <laughs> I don't know what the <laughs> fuck it was about. I've tried to watch some of those like ending explain videos, and I still don't really understand it. I will say, beautiful imagery. Really like the performances. You know, if you're into Kaufman stuff, I think it's even more headier than is like, you know, Eternal Sunshine at the Spotless Mind or Being John Malkovich. Sure. Those movies I can at least, you know, put a pin in and there are some stuff that may go over my head. But this one was just like, what the fuck is happening? It is like that. <laughs> I remember starting the trailer for it and <laughs> half like halfway through the trailer, I was like, oh, this is not what I was expecting it to be. <laughs> Love me some Jesse Plemons, though. I'll watch that guy oh, anything. Oh, of course. I will do I, anything with Jesse Plemons <laughs> in it. He's almost Paul Dano status for me, but yep. not quite. A couple more movies. He might get there, yeah. <laughs> he might get there. And then I, I watched actually a couple of TIFF movies. Uh, my roommate had a pass to TIFF, like the digital screeners, so we got a couple oh, of those. Oh. And I watched, so these there have been like no trailers for these yet, but I just want to give people a heads up about two movies that are pretty solid that I think will be like awards contention stuff. Uh, Nomadland, which stars Frances McDormand, her first movie since Three Billboards after she yeah. won the Oscar. It's kind of just her being a, a modern-day nomad, really slow, uh, kind of just a character study. I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's not going to you know blow anyone's mind or anything. It's just a really nice kind of subtle drama, but worth watching when it comes out. And then Pieces of a Woman, which stars, uh, I think it's Vanessa Kirby and Shia LaBeouf, dude, LaBeouf. Uh, fucking, they kill it. This It's one of the most depressing movies I've seen in so long, but I think Netflix actually just bought the rights out of the, the, the TIFF Film Festival, so it'll be going to Netflix, I think, end of the year, but definitely another one that will also be, you'll see it nominated for shit here and there. If there is an Oscar ceremony next year, I don't even I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. Who fucking cares? <laughs> That's true, man, yeah. I want to see Jimmy Kimmel, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I can't wait till they make all the fucking hilarious covid jokes at the oscars 
<laughs> this is why I watch on cinemas. Oscar special. I just don't give a shit anymore. I hate the Oscars. Go ahead. Yeah, it used to be fun when Jack Nicholson used to get loaded in the front row and you could just tell like he hated everyone there but also had a good time. Yeah. He was like an audience proxy. That's gone now. Yeah. Complain to us about how you want Ellen DeGeneres back as a host. <laughs> and Kevin Hart, yeah. And Kevin Hart. Uh, all right. Well, next week, actually, my friends, uh, it's going to be a pretty fun one. Uh, and we're kind of going to leave it in suspense because for the first time in t- over two years, we will be in the same room to record it. It's going to be fucking wild. I'm uh, going to be able to smell you. Look at you. I'll be able to do the lip thing from right across the seat. dude. If you do the lip thing, I'm going <laughs> to bust your lip. Um, <laughs> but I've got but uh, you will be able to look at me and smell me. From yes. Across the seat. Play with Phoebe. Um, no, we're gonna. I'm gonna give Phoebe back. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be gone by the time I get there. Yeah, no, she's not gonna be a part of this house anymore. Yeah, but, but um, <laughs> headed back to the East Coast, which I'm actually super excited about, and we'll be able yep. to stop to visit Zach on the way, which is gonna be pretty awesome. I'm super excited yeah. to see you, buddy. Yeah, well, good for you. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, in that spirit, we also don't really have a plan for next week. Yes. Um, yes. We kind of wanted to leave it up to what we're feeling in the mood. You know, if we wanted to watch something super shitty that, that qualified, if we found something that was, you know, maybe better. I don't know. We don't know what's going to happen. So we do know that we want to at least record because it's been so long since we've been able to do it in, in person anyway. So, yeah. So instead of seeing this beautiful new city uh, that I live in, Brandon wants to sit in my fucking apartment, watch a movie and talk um <laughs> that's only cool. a couple hours dude there's plenty more time to go traipse in the old milwaukee <laughs> uh but yeah so uh we have no plan for next week um stick around that's stay tuned yeah we'll announce it at some point or you'll just see the episode drop up whenever so yeah cool your jets dude yeah come yeah down. relax jesus well if you want to listen you can i guess listen to our other episodes that's uh all found at nbd.podbean.com you can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and other places. iHeartRadio? Give us money. <laughs> uh, don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Snapchat. <laughs> I'm kidding. We're not on Snapchat. <laughs> yes. You know what? I'm going to set up a Snapchat for us. It's just going to be dick pics. Yeah. And it won't make any sense because Brandon and I don't live in the same place. So why would we? Like, or use Snapchat. <laughs> well, I use Snapchat. I don't know about you. But... Oh, fuck, dude. NB dick? <laughs> <laughs> this has gone off the rails find us on instagram facebook twitter uh please 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 write us a review every time you write a review an angel gets his wings and we get a little bit more notoriety in the podcasting community also tell your friends because uh you know that'd be cool of you <laughs> yeah, it really would and uh you know you can feel free to shoot us a message at nostalgia pod at gmail.com Anything and everything or a request, recommendation, we'd like to hear from folks who listen. I'd like Brandon to shut the fuck up, send. Oh, just got a new email in here. Let's check this one out. Bop, 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 bop. So happy to read. What's it say, dude? Oh, no. This one is negative. <laughs> no, read it, read it out I can't read. You know that. <laughs> oh, fuck. That's right. Well, well until next shit. time, uh, stay safe. Hopefully, I don't die on the way to you. Otherwise, this could be the last episode. <laughs> Why would you? <sighs> I just cursed myself, dude. Fingers crossed. Yeah. All right. Well, oh, my God. Never again. Have a good day.